I'm Juliette Littman. And I am Joe House. Welcome to Ringer Food, the Ringer's new hub for all your food-related content. You may have known this feed as House of Carbs, and don't worry, that's not totally going away. We will be launching two new shows on the feed, and the first is Food News with me and David Jacoby. You may remember us from our days at Grantland. Well, Jacoby and I are back to go over the news, sample snacks, share some personal tales of food news, some global tales of food news. Who knows what else is to come? And House, what are you going to be doing? Oh, my taste buds, my hungry homies, my culinary comrades, we are back. We've done it. Here to tell you that we are reigniting House Oh. Carbs with a whole new slate of tasty episodes throughout the year. We are starting with a football fracas, a gridiron gobble fest. We're doing NFL playoff potluck featuring taste tests of the iconic food item or items of every playoff city to determine which city reigns supreme. Ringer Food is starting up this Wednesday, January 12th. That's so soon. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Kevin Clark, joined by Nora Princiati. Nora, what's going on? Patrick Mahomes scored five touchdowns in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, the Kelsey's mom made it from game to game in a single day. I'm did doing we great. Find, did we find out when she actually got into the Chiefs game? That's it a was long trip. After the picture, was, the picture was posted suspiciously late. Did she see her son throw a touchdown pass? It seemed like it happened right around then. The only thing waiting? is they did not reference that she saw the throw, which makes me kind of think that she just barely missed it and might lie and say she saw it. Hmm. I'm Ben's sorry. Like, I didn't mean to call Donna Kelsey a liar like 90 seconds into this podcast. Ben Solak is also here. What's going on, bud? Yeah, good to be back. Seat feels nice. Glad to be on the mic. It's been a hot sec. Fun week to come back to. So let's get to the playoff schedule before we get to the actual results. So AFC starts on Saturday, 4.30, Bengals at Titans. The Bengals play in every... Every bad time slot game over the past decade, the Bengals have been in about 80% of those games. Uh, Saturday night, classic 49ers at Packers at 8.15. On Sunday, 3 p.m., Cardinals-Rams winner against the Buccaneers in Tampa. Um, and then at 6.30 p.m., Bills at Chiefs on CBS. That's kind of the, the matchup of the weekend. Um, boy, do we have a lot to get to. I want to start with the, the Cowboys game because why not? Um, I have so many things to talk about, 
that I, I actually am, am going to put it in your in your court here first, Solak. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Because you can go with the McCarthy talking points, and we will. You can go with the Niners coming out and impressing. You can go with Dak struggling um, for large parts of the game. Uh, when you think about this game in five years, you'll think about what? Uh, I'll think about how whichever team D'Amico Ryans is head coaching got dialed <laughs> in on this game. Uh, I really enjoyed watching D'Amico Ryans as the first year DC uh, of the 49ers. And that promotion after Sala left was a big deal. Uh, they have a defensive line coach there named Chris. And I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's like Korosek or Kosrick or something. Please forgive me. But he he's he's money, right? I mean, he's been huge for that line for years. He's rehabilitated, you know, like guys like Arden Key. He got Charles Amenu for a sixth round pick. He's made him a good rush. Like he is the man. And when Sala left, they could have promoted him to protect him. And instead, they took a guy who's had four years of coaching experience, two of which like quality control in D'Amico Ryans and said, you're going to be the DC. And that was a huge vote of confidence in Ryan's who across the course of the year has just taken the scraps of this 49ers cornerback room and has dealt with injuries to Jimmy Ward, injuries to Jaquise Guitar, injury now to Fred Warner, and just continues to slap it together in the back seven with duct tape and prayers in a way that is so impressive. This Niners defense got better week after week in the face of tremendous injury. They are now deep. They have a rotation. They have young guys they can rely on. Ambry Thomas was unplayable early in the year. They've got him to the point where they can start him on the outside within one season. The development of the young players on this defense, the the, the hegemony you have now as well with, with this back seven working in concert. I mean, oh, the, cor- the San Francisco corners are a problem. Nope, because they can just play zone and play it so doggone well they can hide those guys. That is extraordinarily impressive. Pressure packages too. I mean, he was in Dak's face with blitzes. That is very rare to see. Uh, D'Amico's pitching gas, and it is really, really cool to watch. Love your football talk. Let's get mad at Mike McCarthy. Um, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so this was one of the sloppiest games I've seen in a long time, and it it starts truly at the top. I mean, this was an unprepared team that made mistakes, that had a, a huge third down penalty when they tackled an offensive lineman for no reason. At one point, they the special teams unit tackled their own punt returner. Um, the penalties, I think there were 14 of them today, a couple of them backbreaking. The Cowboys have the talent to win this game. They didn't have the coach to win this game. And I don't know how you fix that because it looked like Kellen Moore made some of the same mistakes. Michael Silver, after the game, said that Kellen Moore is the one who called the QB run at the end of the game that became a complete catastrophe. Um, there were a couple of kind of discoursey things after that that really surprised me. First of all, Mike McCarthy said, this is via Ed Werder, that he thought that New York, the New York Review uh, would put time back on the clock. Why are we relying on this? Like, what? Why can't we just run a normal play and mm-hmm. and and not hope that the the umpire will touch the ball and the mechanics of the play will leave one second on the clock? Like, it just seems like the analytics there are just not not adding up here. And Mike McCarthy spent a year away from the game, understanding modern game management or whatever. I'm not sure what he was doing. He had 14 assistants. He had a bunch of binders. I'm not sure it worked. He needs to go back to PFF and ask for his ultimate subscription money back because he didn't learn anything. Nora, when you look at the Cowboys, what disappointed you the most today? It was just completely unprepared. I mean, so yeah. the the rule of thumb is that you need 16 seconds to run a play and, and be able to run another. And they had 14. So you're already in a position where you probably just should not be running a draw on that play. Then you're relying on the ref to get up to the spot. 
Then you have the error, which I don't know if that's on coaching or on, on Dak, where the football should not be changing hands from player to player. Dak should be giving the ball immediately to the ref. And even from the start, okay, Kellen Moore may have called the play, but in that same report, Michael Silver said that Mike McCarthy was on the headset, didn't say, no, 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 this is going to be a complete disaster. So that is a multi-level goof of epic proportions, right? But then you go back a little bit further. They run the fake punt, convert, keep the punt team out, end up taking the delay of game, cost them 29 seconds. They wound up settling for a field goal on that drive too. You don't think they might have liked those 29 seconds back? You don't think that would have mattered? It's just the the penalties. I mean, uh, McCarthy gave some answer about, you know, I thought the refs were going to let them play a little bit more. Most of those penalties were pre-snap yeah. stuff. Like th- there is just no, no excuse for it. I love, I love the implication of like playoff pen- penalty calling me a little bit lighter to be like, you could just go in the neutral zone. Like you could just jump off sides. <laughs> like what? Yeah. It's, just a lot of, it's the playoffs, man. It's the purge, right? I, I was yeah, told yeah. this was the purge. <laughs> No more illegal hands in the face. You can just knock guys' helmets off. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Playoffs. It's the playoffs. It's January. Let him play, ref. Yeah. Um, how'd you guys like the double punt? Double fake punt. <laughs> okay. Listen. Why? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? You, you want to get a timeout? You want to get a timeout? Okay. Firstly, firstly, out of Jim Kyle Shanahan. Like, Jim Nance is like, are they going to fake it again? Jim Nance is like, are they going to fake? He literally said, are they going to fake it again? Earnestly. You can't fake again. There's no such concept (laughs) of faking on first and dead. The best part was Romo did just just his best attempt at a little bit of Cowboys propaganda. Romo said, I've seen this before. I've seen this before before. once. I wanted Nance just to me to be like, horseshit. Like, absolutely not. Tell me when. In a nightmare? As if they were explorers in a in a, in a in a disaster movie. I've seen this before. Oh my goodness! It was it's it's that's such a good example of like like oh they want to get a timeout out of them. You should want to score points. You should want, like, you should want to make them cover receivers, make them tackle running backs. That's the larger want here. Is like points and the game and winning and scoring. Want to get a timeout? Like that's far too granular at this stage. Meanwhile, uh, the 49ers Romo. defense is just like standing on the field being like, whatever, we're not guys, like, we're good out. here. It was we're- most of the starters because they expected a fake. <laughs> and so it's not even like you had the special teams unit out. Romo was like Quint from Jaws of the double fake punt. He was like, no, 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 no. I've, trust me, I'm good. I've seen this before. And the Niners like, yeah, okay, we're good. Just like one of the silliest moments of football I have witnessed in because of the duration, years. because we just sat there and watched it. It it's wasn't also like everything is funnier if the right. punt team is doing it. Yeah, it was like one of the cardinal right. rules of right. comedy. Brent right. Anger went in motion. He was yeah. like, "Hey, I'm getting a jet touch." Oh my gosh, I lost my mind. All right. So after the game, Jerry Jones says he doesn't remember the last time anybody a, a game disappointed him this much. Uh, he says that a is coaching change. 2012. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them, actually. But he said that uh, coaching change is not on the table. I don't know. I feel like he was kind of saying, let's not discuss anything right now. He didn't, yeah, in McCarthy context, there are some messy yeah. headlines out there. In yeah, context, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was just like, we're not like doing this I feel like he was just right kind of like, we're, we're, we're kicking this can down the road. Uh, Nora, I'll start with you. If you're Jerry Jones, you do what right now? I think you fire Mike McCarthy <laughs> because this was entirely predictable. It's not really the fact that all of this happened. It's the fact that none of it is that surprising. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we went into the game with the expectation that there was a a solid enough chance that Mike McCarthy just does not 
have it situationally. And then what do you know? There's there's two minutes and change left. And it's like, oh, great. It's coming down to Mike and the clock. Let's see how this one goes. And it went about as well as as could have been expected. I still think that if you do that and, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of potential coaching vacancies over the last few weeks. And generally speaking, I think I would trend towards conservatism sometimes Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to be an NFL coach. And sometimes it's hard to understand sort of what's going on behind the scenes, who's involved in what facets of decision making. There have been some firings this cycle that I've disagreed with. First of all, that is an incredibly attractive job opening. Second of all, I just don't think that I don't think that this level of underachievement um, should be acceptable. Ben, same question. Yeah, it's funny. I, I agree with Nora and I fall on the other side of the coin. Uh, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm firing Mike McCarthy, but I don't imagine he does because of how predictable this all was, right? right. Like, uh, Mike McCarthy was hired when? Like early 2020? Mm-hmm. And every single person went, this will matter for a Cowboys playoff game late in the yep. fourth quarter. And then it did. And this, the second thing was, man, I hope McCarthy doesn't Rogers Dak. And guess who's sitting back there running like on base downs, six different West Coast concepts, trying to pick a side and read out a read out an idea and just be perfectly right all of the time. Find the correct receiver in the progression, like, you know, razor thin margins of success on every single passing down. Dak Prescott. Right. And and that's the, the I think the really tricky thing for Dallas is it felt really clean to say we get some more reps for Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy's just kind of like here. And then the succession plan will be clear. I don't know how strong you feel about that on the Kellen Moore front right mm-hmm. now, just because I, I, I'm having this experience with Moore where it's like, all right, all of his one-offs are really cool. Like, ah, like third and one, we're going to like hand it off to the fullback, but it's still speed option. Wow. Like all mm-hmm. these like situational stuff is great. The meat and potatoes is not pretty right now. I don't know if it's like a Dak injury thing, if yeah. it's a, you know, CD's not playing great and we're suddenly super into Cedric Wilson thing, but they just don't seem to have like their pitches on first and 10. And that's like a, that's a really worrisome thing to me. If I'm bringing in a guy for his offense and his offense is, is all the, fi- is all the fixings, it's all the sides and it's not really the, the, the belly of the beast that freaks me out. Do you guys remember when Mike McCarthy admitted to just making up a story to Jerry Jones about watching every snap? Yep. Wait, I, do. I don't, I'm okay with, with, I guess I'm okay in theory with with not watching every single snap, but you don't have to tell the media immediately that you just lied to the owner. That seems like a strange move. Well, but I guess everything Mike McCarthy's done over the past year has been kind of strange. I think that getting into like you lied when you said that discourse when it comes to um, high profile sports figures yeah. speaking to reporters is dangerous territory. I also don't think anyone told him that New York was looking at the play on the last play. No, like uh, that and doesn't also make any they sense. Didn't. Also, what a moment for Stephen Stephen Ruiz's no old refs uh, push. Yeah. Like, if we had a ref combine, man, they're getting that. They might get two plays off. We had some some sprinters down there. Um, Ben, Dak Prescott, uh, according to PFF, only three of 10 on 82 yards for passes over 12 yards today. Uh, What did you see out of him? And uh, should we be, I guess, worried about playoff Dak right now? 
Yeah, tough to push the ball when corners get to play with yep. with six yards off, eight yards off, and when even when Nick Bosa goes down, Charles Amena, who's just beaten up on Tyron Smith, that's not that's not the winning formula, right? Um, protection wasn't great, and they really love to get five in the concept, and I get why because you you love Dak's ability to process from the pocket, but that's been a little bit of a slog for the last like month to six weeks. You know what I mean? Like this Cowboys offense hasn't felt as good as it should have since somewhere around mid season and kind of that Dak like calf re-aggravation and all that nonsense, right? The, uh, the, 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 the urgency to push the ball down the field. I understand it, it makes sense. And, and you, and you feel like you have the guys who want to do that, but there's no gallop and they're putting a roof on top of you. You got to get Tony Pollard more involved. You got to get the ball to CD at the line of scrimmage. We got to let guys make plays after the catch. That's the thing is, is like, there's no like kind of layups in this offense. There's no kind of like rhythm inducers, right? Like think about like the Niners passing game on the other side of the ball. It's like, how do we minimize our quarterback and maximize our playmakers? And the Cowboys is just the polar opposite. It's all right. Let's put everything on Dak's shoulders and hopefully we're going to get some explosives to get like, you know, that third and 15, whatever the frick Cedric Wilson, beautiful seam ball was like, all right, that's gorgeous, but we, we can't be living on that right now. So in terms of Dak, playoffs i'm not too concerned especially if there's lingering health things which it feels like he just hasn't been at 100 mm-hmm. all year um but cowboys writ large uh, jerry jones said he said like it, it feels like when you have this amalgamation of talent you should be winning and it does something's wrong yes. in the formula something's off offensively and i'm not sure it's just mccarthy yeah and that's why I, i'm with you on the giving pause to the kellen moore thing because i i just think that the whole coaching staff right now was something just a little bit off. And I wouldn't have hired Mike McCarthy in the first place. I would fire him. But one thing I warn against, and this is in these type of franchises, the Jerry Jones types of franchises, there are scenarios in which you'll be praying for Mike McCarthy. There's a scenario in which he hires a coach who basically, you know, whether that's a first-time coach or whomever, where Jerry has the run of the place. I mean, one of the things that many people, you know, Bob Sturm and others have talked about with Jerry uh, with uh, Jason Garrett was his one of his best skills was managing Jerry. And that's a real thing you have to worry about when you're in that franchise. And so there's a there's a scenario here in which he does what we say, which is fire Mike McCarthy, but things get way worse because that's just the nature of how the Cowboys operate. Nora, anything on the Niners here uh, before we uh, kind of divvy up into the next round? Yeah, well, again, so season high 22 pressures. They're yep. getting pressure 48.5% of the time. I do think we've had a number of conversations over the course of the season about how they've managed some personnel stuff. And sometimes there's some criticism of, of Shanahan that goes along with that. Whoever's figuring out how to just like snatch pass rushers out of thin air yeah. for sixth round picks. Well done. Tip of the cap. Like it, it's not all, it hasn't all been good this season in terms of personnel moves they've made, but this team can survive, right? If it's just mm-hmm. run game and pass rush and you get a touchdown on the first drive because Jimmy doesn't have to do everything is easy button, right? It's the opposite of what Dak's working with where it's just third and long all the time and they're asking him to go through all of his progressions and make perfect decision. Everything is just, especially when they're on that first 15, it is so mm-hmm. simplified. It looks so crisp. Jimmy was Jimmy and we'll talk about that. But I just think they're a tough team. I, I felt silly for not picking them after they scored that first touchdown. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. I want to get into a handful of points before we get into the Jimmy G discourse because that could be as heated as the Mike McCarthy discourse. Um, <laughs> Debo Samuel, 
is amazing. 72 yards rushing today. And when he gets, there are very few people in the NFL right now when, where, when they get any momentum, I don't want to be anywhere near them. Like he runs so, he is the definition of a downhill runner. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. part of that Shanahan's play calling and getting him out into space and, and getting him the ball. And it, I, I just, I love what they're able to do. I mean, they've always been a tough physical team, kind of like what you said. I mean, they're, they're just a team of badasses. And when you're around it, they, they have this kind of physical vibe that they give off. And they're just just kind of football players. And and one of the things that, you know, we, we used to criticize or joke about how much they paid their fullback, there's a method to that madness. Um, there's a method to getting a bunch of big guys who can move and do everything and go heavy and and then play a finesse game when when they need to or also just run over you. Nora, what were you going to say? It's just funny how you sort of, you look at how they played this game and I, I found myself thinking about personnel stuff positively yeah. a little bit more in some cases that, I mean, you know, they have their core concepts and a lot of that is really good and really effective. And again, the first drive was spectacular. <laughs> Late in the game when they did kind of turtle got really prevent defense and made some questionable decisions. You are kind of doing the, Oh God, Kyle Shanahan in the fourth quarter, yeah. white knuckling it stuff. Uh, there's a lot of how this team was built in this game that made some choices that I haven't always been on board with look pretty good, which is a little bit of the inverse of how we usually talk about the 49ers. The white knuckling was lessened because Dan Quinn was on the other side. They canceled themselves out. Oh, yeah, the true. 28, I didn't the even 28 think about that. to three ghosts canceled. It was, it was fine. It was one apiece. I will say playoff beard Shanahan, when they would cut to him late in that game, the, his eyes just empty ghosts in the back no of him with the beard. Behind those he eyes. looked like he hadn't slept in days. He looked like he had laid awake thinking about Jimmy's going to throw a pick with six minutes left. Jimmy's going to throw a pick with six minutes left. Jimmy's going to throw a pick with six minutes left. And it happened. Can I just say, like, ladies, like, find you a man who loves you as much as a cover three oriented defensive coordinator loves his scheme. Like, yeah, it's just so you can't trust much in this world, but you can trust that. Man, yeah, you certainly can. Um, They will just run it until the cows come home. I just I, I that's. Cover three is eternal. Those guys have one pitch. They're like Mariano Rivera. It's either working or it's not. Okay. Um, I got an idea. The biggest thing for me coming out of this game, by the way, is Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and their health and what what happens. I mean, there's probably probably is not a coincidence that the the Dallas is able to move the ball as as the game went along when those guys were out. Uh, let's start the Jimmy G, G discourse. He was steady. Then he threw a potentially crippling interception. We know what this is. We know what this looks like. Ben, where do the Niners go from here in these playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo with the team you saw on Sunday? Uh, how cold is it in Green Bay when they play? It's a night game. Any snow? Uh, if we get bad weather, sayonara. If we get like decently good weather, don't have to worry about Jimmy's grip and uh, and uh, and and, and uh, the uh, accuracy that comes from that. Get Bosa back from the concussion protocol. We got a ball game. I mean, this, I, I think I said on the gambling show, the worst team the Packers could have caught in the NFC was the Niners. The Packers are very familiar with playing the Niners in the playoffs too. Uh, the best thing to do to Aaron Rodgers in January is put him on the bench in a big coat and tell him to wait. And this Niners team can do that, man. They can rip through. Uh, we saw it in this game too. Second 11, run. They know what they're about. They, they, they know they're, we're here to eat clock and get to third and manageable. Yes, sir. And we believe we can pick up those with, with, with a variety of plays. And this Green Bay defense... Listen, uh, uh, the, you know, they've, they've been playing well. It's been impressive. They're getting reinforcements back. It's awesome. They aren't 
as built to stop this running game as the Cowboys were. The Cowboys at least had like penetrators. The Cowboys had team speed. They had disruption, TFLs. Packers are out here playing some too high, asking some safeties to make some tackles in a box. That's Debo against Darnell Savage. I'll take it. I'll take it a lot of times in my running game. So this this Niners team on offense is very, very, very well suited uh, to taking Green Bay the distance. So this gets really fun if you can trust Jimmy to have uh, a solid game. Like I said, no weather. Uh, And if you get Warner and Bosa back on the defense side of the ball. So those are your two impact players back there. 10-day forecast in Green Bay. The night of the 22nd, it's supposed to be two degrees. Yeah, so in this instance, uh, we're going to throw the ball. We're going to throw the ball 10, 12, 15 times, right? We're going to all all play action slide, all just quick ones to Kittle, which the fact that the Niners didn't have to use Kittle today is incredible. That That's how you well, know no, this offense is Well, no, they had to use him on a weird incomplete pass that Cow- the Cowboys thought was a fumble. Yes, that one. <laughs> again, Jimmy not generating a turnover because his arm was too weak is truly a twist. Didn't even see that one coming from the writers. Usually we, we go the other way with that one. Um, but Jimmy, again, like Jimmy, he plays within himself. He knows where his bread is buttered. He had a really good three quarters. And then everybody and their mama knew, especially like once he missed Ayuk wide open on third down, you were like, James. And then he comes on the next drive and they're still throwing it like James. And then the pick comes. And that's just that's that is who he is. And so it's a question of how big of a lead do you build and on what side of the field does he throw the pick? Who's a better coach for, in your mind between Shanahan and LaFleur? LaFleur, uncomfortably. Uh, now, now LaFleur is dealing, LaFleur is playing with a, a stacked deck. Getting 12 behind center is real nice. Um, but we, we got to get, we, we don't really thumb our nose at LaFleur, but we have to get to the point where we acknowledge the winning percentage is out of this world. Uh, it, that's not a mistake. Uh, you know, three seasons in, this is this is a level of consistency that a lot of other coaches would miss. Shanahan could be that, but at this point, like Shanahan has the yips a little bit. You know what I mean? Anytime Shanahan gets into these late game situations where he has a lead, there's at least two things that happen where you're like Kyle. Like, listen, <laughs> p- putting Trent Williams in motion, I Go get it. Room okay, overload line, I get it. Makes a lot of sense. Defensive lines forced to shift. Now the defensive line's moving horizontal, and you can go vertical in the sneak. It makes so much sense. But you're asking a 37-year-old tackle to get in his stance off of motion. He's never done this in his life. Like, this is the sort of stuff where it's like, just everything Shanahan tries seems to always have that knife twist at the end, he especially late in games. He overthought yeah. a lot, a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot. A lot of big I, brain I, from Kyle. All right, here, here, here's my new theory on this, is I think that he wants to continue to be aggressive because his whole thing is don't screw up, kind of like Norwell, we were talking about the guy, don't screw up, don't screw up. He, he's, he's white knuckles so much in the last two minutes, I think he wants to keep pressing and doing interesting things because he doesn't want to revert to this very conservative style. Um, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's an ego thing, but he just does a little too much and overthinks late in games. Nor this what, Niners- what are you doing punting on fourth and one? That was bad. That was real bad. Lost in the McCarthy trying to lose the game is how hard Kyle was that, trying to lose the game. Next Gen Stats had that causing them 8.5 percentage points of win probability. That's yep. like, I don't mean to go, you know, nerd bomb on everybody, but like, that's a lot of points. And you have, I would argue, and like, this is an absurd argument, but you have like the ideal guy to give it to in Debo. Yeah. Like right. it goes like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Zeke Debo, which again, it's like fascinatingly weird, but is true. So you got like five guys in the team who can get a yard. Like this, this whole team is built to get one or two yards. Like that, right. that is, that's what they do. Uh, Nor this 49ers team, how does this uh, next couple weeks play out for them? So I got to think that the Packers are going to have an easier time exposing the fact that the secondary is still not good. Mm -hmm. 
I thought Dallas would be able to expose it. And I think things were just too hard on Dak. Uh, the way that they were playing offense, they just didn't make enough easy on him to to be able to have that come to fruition. Uh, if they're going to get pressure like this and a lot hinges on those defensive injuries, I mean, it was great to see Fred Warner like jumping up and down on the sideline. Um, mm -hmm. But if those guys are able to play, that makes a big difference. If they can get this amount of pressure, they'll be dealing with a good offensive line in, in Green Bay that's gotten Bakhtiari back, but I think they will be able to disrupt them. Um, I would pick the Packers, but I think they make it a game. Line is five right now. I'd pick the Niners to cover. Yep. It's been moving Niners pretty much since open. Open around like five and a half, six. What are you picking? I bought the Niners at six. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I had them straight up against Cowboys. I'm not sure why I'm straight up against the Packers, especially if Warner's out. That's really worrisome. Um, but this Niners team, man, they are really stinking fun. The way they play football is awesome. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, let's get on to the Chiefs-Steelers game. Nora, I'll put the ball in your court first. Uh, are we sure we need a seventh playoff team from each conference? I'm sure that we don't. I hate the seventh seed. Now, I hear the argument that more people who love football get to... No, 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 no. Let me stop right there. I hear the argument that the NFL is getting an estimated $150 million for this. That's the only yeah, argument the, that is that's actually That's why relevant. the NFL is doing right. it. But no, I'm, I'm not arguing... There's no football argument for it. It's not changing. But if we're arguing the merits of whether or not the seven seed is a force for good or a force for evil, I hear the argument that it allows people who love this sport and love their teams to be invested with the interest of making the playoffs longer in the year. That, I think, is a, a genuine benefit of the seven seed. Uh, the cost of the seven seed is what we just watched. And mm. the fact that it rewards mediocrity. And the fact that we just watched a, a football game where Ben Roethlisberger had a first half that was probably the worst first half of his entire career. Uh, they tied a franchise record in punts. And essentially all that happened was that the Chiefs got to add a few like funky plays in the red zone that are going to make Leslie Frazier's week more difficult. So good for them. But you get what you ask for. And you get what, in the NFL's case, you get hundreds of million dollars for. Sure. So it, it suffers from the same problem the college football playoff scenarios suffer from, which is that the only way to make it more compelling would be if the seven seed played the six seed. The problem is there's just not a lot of good football teams. So having the two seed play these guys is just going to create mismatches. And there's no, unless you're going to add a bunch of games, there's no way to make that round more competitive with more teams because there's normally not a hot team. I mean, the Colts were the exception last year. That game was close. Phillip Rivers is great. All that stuff. Yeah, but um, we can't be nice to the Colts because it right. is their fault that we are dealing with this mess. And the Chargers. No, we can be nice. We we can, we can be nice to the Chargers. The Chargers no, the, should I'm, have been I'm, in. Sh the Chargers should have explained Ben that their process was sound, and the NFL would have let them in. Yes, and they also <laughs> should have just beat the Texans <laughs> or the Raiders. Uh, 
Ben, was there any questions you had about the Chiefs that were answered tonight, or was this kind of just landing the plane safely? No, uh, obviously, like you don't want to start with. I, I believe it was four punts. Um, you know, a little bit of trouble moving the ball. Uh, the pass protection is, in my opinion, not great. Uh, I, you know, I know Orlando Brown got some like all pro recognition. I don't really see that when he plays. Uh, if I were going up against a Buffalo pass rush that's really fresh, Buffalo does a really good job of rotating their guys right now. I'd be a little bit worried about that matchup. Uh, Buffalo's ability to get pressure with four and drop seven and kind of keep keep a, a blanket on this thing, I think projects well for Buffalo in this game, but. We kind of already knew that coming in, uh, you know, only started giving up movement on offense late when the game was decided. And that's what's expected. Uh, the best thing was just watching like that. The the Steelers score that touchdown, that scoop mm-hmm. and score. And just it's like, you know, all that for a drop of blood. Right. Like it just set off the sheet. Like they, that 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 set off the scoring deluge, right? Yeah. Like five touchdowns in 12 minutes or whatever it was. Um, cool to see them take one punch and just immediately go thermonuclear. That's what we're used to seeing in January from Kansas City. Nora, same question. It was five touchdowns in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. The My previous apologies. record was Brady doing five touchdowns in 25 minutes. Like, it's very, that it's is very casual. incredibly <laughs> short period of time to score that many points. Here's the thing, though. Brady did not have, working in his favor, an offense on the other side of the ball that goes three and out and takes 40 seconds off the clock because all they do is throw five-yard incompletions. That's a great point, Ben. That's a great, great point. I mean, there's the edge. The Chiefs love to play press coverage. Uh, Normally throughout the season, they've played 40% press, which is already tops of the NFL. Uh, Their secondary was aligned in press 68% of the times, the time (laughs) against Steelers receivers. You are just, I mean, football coaches love to say you got to defend, make them defend every blade of grass. Not a lot of, blades of grass going undefended in that situation all right does anyone before we get to the chiefs bills mini preview does anybody have any other takes on this game uh i continue to really enjoy the steelers as a like b-level veteran quarterback landing spot uh it would be better if DeAndre why johnson b? why b why well, not why not a sure sure a i'm just not sure you're able to get a in the building you know what I mean? A would be great. Like if Rogers well, is I don't available, know if A is moving is the thing. Yes. We have a right. lot of evidence. That Guys, a why don't we just call him Aaron Rodgers? Well, no, because look, Russell Wilson is also in that. True. True. In that. Yes. Group. So I, I just, um, I just mean the hypothetical. And also, by the way, this time last year, we had no idea that those guys even wanted out. Right. Yeah. And so it could be anybody shaking free. I think the, the B we're talking about like a Jimmy Garoppolo type. Are we even putting him on the B level? I think the B minus, you know, I was thinking more like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr world. Uh, I just thought about Steelers changing from current era Ben to current era Russ, and the the tectonic shift might displace the city of Pittsburgh. <laughs> just going from what Ben is now in terms of I'm going to throw the ball right away four yards behind the line of scrimmage to Russ, I'm going to run around for yeah. five seconds behind the line of scrimmage to maybe throw it 55 yards down the field is going to break people's minds it does not get more polar than that i would love to see it all right nora the chiefs beat the bills how this next weekend so they find a way defensively to keep josh allen in the pocket and they have another mahomesian performance on offense i mean i i I think this game is more like holy crap, this is going to be exciting. This is the, you know, AFC Super Bowl more than it is 
what are they going to do against the sudden juggernaut that is Buffalo? I know last night I felt like the Bills would be my pick in that game. I think I probably lean in that direction. I just don't know how much you can take from what we saw and spin it forward as reflective of what Kansas City would yeah. be able to do this, in that matchup because it's this game just was a completely fake. different beast. This is yeah. like this is like when the SEC teams ha- on like November twenty first schedule like they play like the Citadel before they play their rival. Mm-hmm. Like that that there was that's why I was that's why I asked Ben if there was anything he could draw from this game tonight. With the exception of the scoop and score, this was not anything. Um, this was yeah. just basically just a little. This is like a spring game out there. We have to shout out Nick Algretti for throwing the defensive player of the year to the ground and then catching a big man touchdown. Like there has to be, that has to be like a thick 12. It can't be a thick six. We have to have a new name for it. Ben. My unnecessary chiefs touchdown shout out goes to Andy Reed, uh, who had (laughs) a wild card, Travis Kelsey to Byron Pringle pass wild cat, excuse me. Travis Kelsey to Byron Pringle pass touchdown in his docket and was like, I'm only up 28 on the Steelers and decided that was the time to empty the chamber. So I don't I feel like maybe that would have been a good save for next week, Andrew. Uh, you know, but you know che- what that means? You yep. know, he's, he's just he's in his bag all, all, all month. Right now. He's now got, he's got these to right. burn. Now, now he it's was in RPO, the lab, right? Yeah. He was in the lab read out the mesh all point. Month. Absolutely. Yeah. All yeah. good. Also, if you're Leslie Frazier, aren't you watching this game going just like, ah, this asshole. Now yeah. I got to teach this stuff. The thing about and and that's kind of one of the reasons why you put it on film is because you make the opposing team spend time on it and then you like do or don't use it. Uh, but the, the the I'm really excited for this Bills Chiefs game. Obviously everybody is, but I I I the energy with which Buffalo came out against that Patriots team was awesome, right? That was a that was a personal game. That was a we hated what you did with us in game one, and we also didn't punish you the way we wanted to in game two. That was a beatdown. Uh, now they get the Chiefs who. Kevin, we talked about this a lot preseason. This is the team they built to beat. The message in Buffalo. It's all they thought this, about. It's all they thought about yeah, for seven the, months. The, the message in Buffalo this year was beat the Chiefs, beat the Chiefs, beat the Chiefs. What do we need? How do we do it? What, 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 who got, who's got to get into the building? What do we have to care about? We're going to beat the Chiefs. So they have to come off of the energy they got, that huge spike against the Patriots over the last two months and recalibrate to the energy of that was the, that was the big boss. This is the final boss. Like we 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 exercised those demons. We got to get right back up, jacked up to an eleven, because we're facing the team that we care about. So uh, right now, I'm on like two poles in terms of I can see the Bills coming out and boat racing Kansas City, not to the same degree they did against the the Patriots, because the Chiefs can pass their way into it in the second half. But like I could I could see a big first half deficit for sure. I could also see the pendulum swing the other way. And they just they they kind of emptied the tank a little too much against New England, and they come out a little bit flat against you know final boss part two. So the emotions coming into this game are really really fun, especially on Buffalo's side. Nora, you want to do twenty minutes? We have twenty minutes left. We move Ben Roethlisberger memories. I'm gonna pass. All right, let's move on to the Bucks and the Eagles. Um, boy, this was a talent disparity. This was a whooping. This was just the Bucks being a lot better than the Eagles. I think this is the kind of game, Ben, you are kind of the Eagles expert here. Not kind of. You are the Eagles expert. Go kind of game where you have more questions coming out of it than, than you did. You know, you almost when I, was, when I was watching this game, I was thinking, man, it would almost be better for the Eagles season to have a dignified kind of week 17 exit and not play in this game and feel good and have an offseason where you're building towards something rather than experience this 
and come mm-hmm. out with so many questions and so many holes. Uh, I'll start with you because you're you're the, the the bird expert, and we'll get into the bucks here in a second. Um, but what what is the the vibe right now coming off of that that Eagles loss? Yeah, it's a, right. It's a sobering loss. Um, it was really cool to come into the year expected to win six games and then win a, a nine, ten. I don't even recall. Make the playoffs, right? That that was pretty sick. That was really cool. Uh, it was awesome to come into the season with the expectations for where Jalen Hurts was, uh, the understanding of where he finished year one, and see him improve every week and and exceed those expectations in year two. That was all great. However, uh, there's been a lot of meat left on the bone for Jalen Hurts in the passing game. Uh, the Eagles did a great job, offensive coaching staff-wise, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, building around Hurts, finding a running game that worked, becoming this run-first oriented team, throwing outside of the numbers, and, and their efforts in building an offense around Hurts and winning was tremendous. Sirianni sold us a bill of development, said the roots are planted, the flower's going to grow, and he was right. It is to his credit that the Eagles made the playoffs when they did. We needed to see in Philadelphia, because we can, we can get a little too excited about things. We needed to see in Philadelphia... Jalen Hurts go up against a playoff caliber defense that did not respect the offense they were facing, mm-hmm. did not respect this collegiate style, this hokey throw bubble screen RPO spread and shred nonsense and said, we're just going to run, be fast and tackle. And they, they needed to see that defense punk this offense for four quarters because it's a reminder that for as good as Jalen Hurts has gotten for as much as he has improved his skill set, what he is good at, what he's bad at, his strengths and weaknesses, detail and offense that the NFL is not trying to play this, you know, spread them out horizontally offense, work outside of the numbers, pick half of the field, be run oriented, be RPO oriented. If you can't throw middle of the field, if you can't throw layered. If you can't throw deep to shallow, it's really hard to run an NFL passing offense. So this is kind of what you, if you want to get in bed with Hertz long-term as your quarterback, this is the sort of offense you'd have to run and to excel at a playoff level with it. You'd have to be really, really good and really, really athletic. And that's what this reminder was. So Hertz can still get better, but this is the style of offense the Eagles will play with him. And that to me doesn't map to the playoffs. Hertz much more so maps to a long-term backup, career spot starter. If he's Marcus Mariota and Tyrod Taylor for the rest of his life, that's an awesome result for a second round pick. It's just not the guy you want to tether the wagon of your future to. Nora, the Bucks. Yeah, well, I was impressed with their ability to defend the run. Right. And, and they were devoting resources to that because they were just playing a lot of single high safety and, and saying, look, we don't think that your quarterback is exactly going to go through the progressions and effectively get the ball downfield. But still, that was the area where we felt like the Eagles could potentially attack them and expose them a little bit. Um, Jordan Whitehead got picked on in, in coverage a little bit, but I thought was super effective against the run. Uh, and then Levante David coming back, I think helped a decent bit and, you know, we're not going through some Devin white, hot and coldness after the game. Um, it does mm-hmm. seem like those guys coming back matters for them. And I-, I was impressed by Tampa's defense. I mean, the game got out of hand so quickly that it's another one where it's a little bit hard to draw super firm conclusions but they still held the number one rushing offense from the season to 95 yards total. Third of that's from the one um, long Boston Scott rushing mm-hmm. touchdown in the fourth quarter. Prior to that, they were giving up 3.8 yards per carry. I think you count that as a good sign for this defense going forward. Brady, I don't think, broke a sweat nope. in this game. But if you want to take it as evidence that 
they will at least have that balance and getting those guys back on, on defense matters. Uh, it's probably a good thing for them, just given how much they're going to have to make up with the injuries and, and the guys that they're missing offensively. Brady's average time to throw in the first quarter was the quickest of any quarterback this season. It was almost two seconds flat. It was 2.1. Yeah. Uh, the Tristan Wirfs injury. How do you even like the arm motion? Just unbelievable. You want to talk about structures that won't work in the playoffs, man. This this Gannon Everflus defense just does not scare elite quarterbacks. They don't give a hoot. Play spot care. drop cover two. Screw you, brother. They're just nickel and dime their way all the way down the field. They're the new Billy Beans. Our shit doesn't work in the playoffs. Um, all right. The Tristan Wirfs injury. I don't know what happened there. He came back in the game. He played two snaps. He should not have come back in the game. And I actually got some, I kind of got into it with some people. It was not totally normal on Twitter because I said he should not have been in the game. People were saying, oh, well, the doctors cleared him. Well, the doctor shouldn't have cleared him if he came in, limped the entire time, and then got beat, obviously, to the point that it put Brady in danger because he took a hit, but then had to leave and fell down to the turf and was clearly injured two plays later. And Arians was saying, you know, there's a the tackle depth problem. These guys need to work through it, whatever. This could be a significant, significant injury. Uh, ben, how does it change the calculus if Worfs, who, by the way, I think they said he was one of three players who played every snap this year or something like that mm-hmm. uh, in the NFL. Like that, if he's out, that changes the calculus. Yeah, the quick game reliance becomes all the more important now because you're expecting to get pressure off of that right side. Uh, the nice thing about the the Bucks is that they already have kind of the infrastructure with tight ends and with arguably like the best blocking tight end kind of in the league still in Rob Gronkowski, which is nuts to say, but it's still kind of true uh, that they can add to that and they can help uh, assist that guy. Brady's really good at dealing with, you know, expected pressure off a certain side, knowing he has injury. Uh, who their opponent it, opponent is matters a little bit more. The Cardinals rush Chandler Jones off one side and Marcus Golden off the other side. That's pretty bad. Uh, the Rams rush Leonard Floyd and Vaughn Miller off of each side. That's worse. Uh, and there's also another dude on the Rams who's really good at rushing the passer. He plays in the interior. His name's Aaron Donald. Uh, you don't want to find LA if you're Tampa Bay because they play the winner of that game regardless. Uh, I'd be rooting for the Cardinals and my ability to have Brady be quick against man coverage as opposed to the Rams and trying to deal with that pass rush in the event that I warps out. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about the uh, the old Bucks going forward here, Nora? Yeah. About the same, I would say the OL injuries are bad, right? Because if you start stacking things there, that had been the area of the offense where it was just like, all right, Arians, I think even said, I believe this was to Peter King. I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong. He gave a quote recently where he basically said about the the injuries receiver, as long as we've got Brady and our line is healthy, we're good. Now, I think even that is overstating it a little bit if you're just missing so much receiver talent that you built around for the better part of two seasons. But if that becomes, if that goes from a strength to middle of the pack or a strength to a weakness, I mean, there was a point in this game where we were like, is Gronk going to have to play tackle? Like what's, what's going to happen here? And your depth chart is just being tested that much. That's, that is scary to me because Brady can do a lot, but if Brady's already having to, figure it out with less experienced receivers with twos coming in and filling in. If he, if the protection breaks down as well, uh, you're starting to put an awful lot on his plate. Still Tom Brady, but it's a lot to deal with. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries, right? As they're being scooped into the carton and time just stands 
still. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, you need some questions, guys? Love it. Absolutely. First one, Nora, I'll throw it to you. This is actually a really good question. Is playing the Steelers better than getting the bye? <sighs> Nick Wright had this take. He did? Yeah, and his take was better than the bye because you get out there, you play, right? You stay fresh, but obviously it's 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 like playing on Wait, air. Wait, what right? about like- Nick Wright's question that he asked he asked to launder through us tonight, which was that the Chiefs' <laughs> offensive line is playing too well and it's hurting Mahomes because he's not getting out of the pocket and and, and improvising. Yeah. I don't I don't mean to cut off Norris' question. I apologize. Uh I, I just want to briefly yeah. stay on the Nick Wright point here for a second. I, I don't necessarily agree. Like I said, I haven't loved how Orlando Brown has played. I don't think anybody was watching Andrew Wiley this week and being like, man, he's just too good. This is a problem. Uh Mahomes' ability to create outside of structure has always been his best trait. Early in the season, they were catching like absurd turnover luck. They still had like a really weird one, the whole TJ Watt deflection. Like they're still catching some bad coin flips. But in general, it's just, in my opinion, the regression on those plays, which are always going to be high variance, has just swung back the other way. I don't think it's the offensive line's quality of play changing how much Mahomes is and isn't out of the pocket. I just feel like any any take that can be solved with let's bring back Mike Remmers and have him play every right. every single snap at tackle. Yeah. Get get but, the Bucks back in the Super Bowl. Run it back. We have a plan now. Right, exactly. Put, but, but yeah, exactly. Just put the Remmer, the Remmer's role in the Super Bowl can be duplicated. Okay, I know we can do other things well, but let's get him back to where Mahomes is taking a hit on every single play. All right, um, Nora, you want the answer to the question? I do. I think the answer is no. I think you want the buy. However, I think Matt Lafleur recently has been on this. I think part of it is because they came out so flat in week one after not playing a lot of their starters in the preseason. But Matt LaFleur has been on this thing about like, you can't rest too much. Guys really will get rusty. If you ask Matt LaFleur, you might get a different answer. Um, yeah, I bet. Um, okay. So I think that there's the health part of it is important, but also they like, they ran out of fireworks tonight. Like they got to have a football party. That, there's mm-hmm. something to that. There's something That's to nice. that. That's nice. It's fun to have a football party. Uh, ben, this is from Eddie. What does the Chiefs defensive game plan look like next week? So really important. Uh, Nora made the great point. You asked, like, how do the Chiefs beat the Bills? And the first thing she said was, like, what do you do with Allen's legs? How do you keep Allen in the pocket? Chiefs want to play man match. That's eyes on receivers, baby. That's that's linebackers turning their backs, right? They're putting their eyes on the sideline, putting their eyes outside of the slot receivers to the outermost receivers. That's safety's playing with eyes on receivers. If Allen's given a green light by Dable and said, like, hey, if you see an alley, take it, this gets wonky quick if the Chiefs want to play uh, the way they want to play coverage. All right, so we go to step two, spy him. There is not an athlete on the field for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is not an athletic second level. Their best athletes like Willie Gay. Honestly, mm-hmm. like Daniel Sorensen, Ben Neiman. Like, these are the dudes that are their best athletes on the second level. So unless you are taking Tyron Matthew out of coverage, and even that doesn't make sense because he's not big enough to consistently tackle Allen. Yeah. The honey badger is not the biggest dude in the world. You don't have an answer. Okay. So change your rush plans. 
This still isn't working, man. We Melvin Ingram is not built to break Allen down in space. Alex Okafor is not. You have big ends. This is how you built it. They are not capable of running the little games. And you're, oh, we're gonna, you know, rush the end. We're gonna loop him around. We're gonna push Allen that direction. You do not have the horses defensively or the structure defensively meant to handle this. So the only player who can stop Josh Allen is Josh yeah. Allen. So right, what do you do? You play zone. You're going to sit and you're going to play with eyes on the quarterback. And you're going to try to go zone match. And you're going to try to play with eyes on Allen. You're going to try to stop him with seven on the defensive backfield. Sick. You better hope Stephon Diggs forgets his hands. Because Allen against zone right now is, is a thrashing machine. I mean, it's a wood chipper. Because the guy just has an absolute freaking rocket. I mean, these throws are ridiculous. And he's really getting comfortable with, uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders more and Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis figuring out his guys. And now they've got this like Devin Singletary, Isaiah McKenzie behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, if you're going to play zone, we'll just take the free stuff thing, which they like didn't have two months ago. Bills are on all cylinders. So what's the game plan? Zone and pray, baby. We're going to make you put together long drives. And if you lose to Devin Singletary and Isaiah McKenzie, you lose to Devin Singletary and Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, Nora Lorenzo has more of a question or comment than a question. Jimmy G looks like a soul cycle instructor. Oh my God. That's funny. <laughs> she let that hang there for a second. Um, all right, guys. Anything else from this Sunday? Mm. I'm sorry. I need a minute. Bengals Titans. Kevin, where are you at emotionally on Bengals Titans? It's all I care about. Well, I mean, as you guys know, I can play both sides better than maybe anybody <laughs> in media. Um, so I'll probably do a hand. This is a guy. Listen, you're talking to a guy who did not pick the Bengals to make the playoffs yet. I'm dining out on the concept that I was the first person to see the Bengals coming because of a straight comment I made out of desperation on the Rich Eisen show about seven months ago, the day after I was in Cincinnati. Okay. And, uh, so, so I can, I can handle this. Um, what I will say is that I, I like the Titans. Um, but. I, I will I will kind of uh, throw out different uh, a lot of misdirection during the week to make sure that yep. I can I can stake a claim to something that happens. I'm probably right. going to go with something like Titans win, but huge game out of Joe Burrow. Yeah, statement game for Burrow, but proof in the pudding that Brable yeah. constantly wins. He wins the tight games, right? Return of Derrick Henry. A lot of narratives yeah. we can play up into one another. I love I I well, the thing I love about this Titans team is just how mad it makes everybody in every direction. <laughs> Titans fans are so mad <laughs> about everything, and they have a right to be. Yeah. And then it's like the people, like like analytics people, were so mad. And then the, the the icing on the cake here is that Derrick Henry's coming back, which if you listen to the analytics analytics people, shouldn't matter, right? right. Like so, it shouldn't matter. And Nothing here's should the matter. thing: Do you want to have an absolute nightmare of a Sunday? Titans lose when Derrick Henry comes back. It's going to be a bloodbath if it happens. I just, it's so great to me. As someone who, and, and I have to be honest, like I've talked about this before, the, the more I um, am in this game and like covering it on a very close basis, the less I believe in like actual football analytics. Like there's certain core tenets, mm -hmm. passing efficiency, passing more than run, uh, running backs being um, semi-replaceable, not using a high pick on a running back, not using money on a running back, et cetera, et cetera, that I will always believe. But the if you took a snapshot of me in 2014 versus 2022, I believe a lot more in toughness. I believe a lot more in heart. It was interesting. I was listening to Andy Reid uh, interview from NFL Films yesterday. And the, the NFL Films doing this podcast where they, they replay old, old interviews. It was like a 20-year-old interview. And Steve Sable said, Andy, if you could have a spy in another building, who would, what would you, what info would you have them collect? He said, I swear to you, all I want to know is who has the biggest heart 
because I know to avoid them on big plays. Like in January, just like stay away from this guy. I love Andy. And, I love Andy and so that is much. So good. Andy's so sweet. And I know that that obviously sounds just kind of um, almost like a non-answer, but it's not. It's not. And so the point I'm trying to make here is like the one thing I appreciate about the Titans is they do so many things that fly in the face of just everything that the internet believes about football. And I have no idea if they're going to play Sunday, but I just like how angry they make everybody. God bless. <laughs> what a wholesome. What a wholesome end to the podcast. Andy wants to know who's got the biggest heart. Kevin loves the Titans because they piss people off. You're ending the, the podcast then? Heart. You want us to leave? Wow. Kevin was rapping already. I'll, I'll hang. I don't care. I haven't gotten to talk about football in the last like four weeks, man. I got takes. We, uh, we are ending the podcast. Oh, Wait, can thanks. we get one, Ben? Is there a take that you're just like dying to get out there? Does, Especially one that's like super dated that you had like yeah. three weeks ago, but you weren't able to get out into the public. <laughs> what did you not have an outlet for on like December 28th? I, I, I'm just Googling week 16 NFL schedule and we'll, we'll see if I look at a game and it pops something to my mind. All I can see right <laughs> now is all I can see right now is Dolphin Saints. That's not the whole schedule. I'll, t- I'll say this. The, the week 18 Trevor Lawrence game is the springboard for his career. Dude was shredding. Dude was what I know. I just said that Matt Everflew's defense doesn't count, but that that felt like a like a, a a reminder to Trevor, like oh, when my coach is in an active detriment to my team, I'm a really good quarterback, and I feel confident we're going to see that continue to blossom in year two. I love it. All right, this has uh, been Ben posthumous takes. Nora, uh, producer Isaiah says go Jags. Um, all right, Nora and I will be back on Wednesday with Mal. Ben will be back on Friday with Kalen and Steven to preview the divisional round. Jason Goff, Ryan Chazier, James Jones are up next on this feed on Tuesday. They'll break down the Monday night wildcard game. Thank you to Nora and Ben. Thank you to Isaiah Pakley for his production, not only on this episode, but also on the green room that we're doing live. And thank you to Arjuna Ramakball for additional supervision. 